Martin Luther King once said, men hate each other because they fear each other, because they don't know each other, and they don't know each other because they are often separated from each other. Welcome to the All Together Now podcast, episode one. In this episode, I, Miranda Santavania, and two others will discuss racism in our schools and how to stop it. This is a safe space for people to express their opinions and experiences with racism, and I hope you all enjoy it. Without further ado, let's get started. I'm Miranda Santervania. I'm Don Earls. And I'm Sophia Chabay. Okay. So we're gonna start with this quote about that my Gold Award advisor, who is the director from the Center of Healing Racism in Houston, said to me when I was on the phone with her, which is, until this country sees Black history as American history, until we can really rally around the contributions made by people of African descent, we will be spinning on our wheels. So just want to see what y'all have to say about that one. Um, I definitely agree with the quote. I think that people see Black history as like a touchy subject or a political subject. And I really want to like stop that myth from spreading because Black history is not only positive, but it's necessary Uh, because so many negative events have happened around Black history. People see Black history only as slavery um, and Jim, Jim Crow laws, and that's not at all true. You know, we have a bunch of Black icons that have nothing to do with those, but we also have to touch on the subjects of slavery and Jim Crow laws so that we can understand the pain that Black people have gone through, and we can move forward from it, and we can understand that, yes, this, this was a problem, but I feel like identifying it and talking through it is a good way to move away from that problem and to solve that problem. I think that's a really good point. I think that there's a lot of just misinformation and there's a lot of painting like black history as a purely negative thing. You know what I mean? Like nobody really wants to focus on the positives or like the creative people that have been in black history, you know? And I think that we should be like reading more black literature in schools and things like that. I think that's really important. So this is from the Seattle Times and it says that in K through 12 school policies, they allow students to be arrested on their campuses and that black students face that fate far more than others. I think that is a reflection of the real world, honestly. And I think it's, something that we shouldn't be having in our schools or in the real world in general. I, it's very unfair. And it's honestly just systematic racism comes into play with like all of this. And it's very just kind of ridiculous, I think. I feel like black people are, I'm definitely scared of the police. Um, I feel like black people are scared of the police and well, more minorities. And then white people aren't scared of the police or some white people use the police um, 
way more than black people do. Mm -hmm. And like the Amy Cooper deal, you saw the video where the the black guy was bird watching, and the white lady had a dog off her leash, and he was like, "Can you like put it put it on a leash?" And she got like hysterical, and she was like, "I'm gonna call the cops on you." And then she called the cops, and it was like, "Oh, this African American male is attacking me." Well, that's an example of a white person using the police for something that police aren't for. Um, and I truly believe that, especially in this case where it's in a school, if you can't handle the children, then you're not fit to be a teacher first. And second, that goes with the stereotype that black people are more dangerous. And that goes with the whole aspect of black people are segregated into these poorer neighborhoods because of redlining in the past and stuff like that. And I believe that if we were to integrate even now and like mix how people are like live, then this wouldn't be a problem. I read um, Michelle Obama's autobiography yesterday and like she started out in this average inner city neighborhood, but then by like, fifth grade all the diversity was gone and it was just only black people you know and so I that kind of ties into it because like as the years went on the level and quality of schooling in her school decreased just because people heard like the words ghetto and just like fled mm -hmm. yeah I also think a really good point um is a video that they showed us if I don't know are y'all in the diversity club at school that video they showed, I don't know, I, I guess it opened my eyes seeing how black kids, when they're treated like they're not as good as white kids and like they can't amount to as much, then they start believing it, you know, psychologically. And it, yeah, it builds into their kids not having the opportunities because they didn't believe that they could get to a place where they could give their kids opportunities. It becomes like a generational thing. And then yeah, I mean, it all builds into like systematic racism. It's a really big issue, obviously. Yeah. So, okay, this next quote is from The Hill. Um, and it says that around one third of teachers believed that inequality was mainly due to African-Americans lacking motivation or willpower to pull themselves out of poverty, which I think is extremely ridiculous. <laughs> the fact that teachers think that I feel like there just needs to be like something in place for like people who are in power over kids and have the ability to shape their entire lives you know like they need a different level of training you need to be unbiased to be a teacher I think like there shouldn't there shouldn't be anyone in your classroom who you're like, oh, that kid isn't going to make it, so I'm not going to try with them, especially if that's because of the color of their skin. Right, and I think it goes with the widespread ideology that racism is a Black pr problem that Black people need to solve, and I feel like if we solely depend on Black people to pull themselves up by the bootstraps, then nothing will be changed, because Black people aren't disenfranchising themselves, and racism is an ongoing problem that we've been trying to solve since for 400 years. Longer. Yeah, I think that this country was 
kind of built on racism. I mean, we were built on slavery, you know, and that is like the most obvious. Democracy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I think that's why. Oh, go ahead. No, you can go. Oh, um, I think that's why it's so hard for us to change. Like, I truly believe that like America was started with racism and was built upon racism, aimed toward black people, aimed toward Native American people and um, Asian, Asian Americans and Asian people. I believe that we do need a big, like major reform in this country for racism to be eradicated. Yeah, and I feel like, no, you can go. Okay, um, I remember like the racial like bias training in schools that got eradicated because it taught them to like hate their country like that just goes to show how much racism is ingrained because by trying to fight racism it's perceived as trying to fight the whole country you know like yeah it's one of those things where like you know everyone says no one's born racist and no one is born racist it's like taught and it needs to be more normal for someone to be not racist than for someone to be you know what i'm trying to say like it needs to be like if you're racist, you should feel uncomfortable being racist because it's like not okay to the point where you would maybe think, oh, maybe this, I'm thinking the wrong way. You know what I mean? And I think even now it's more looked down upon to call someone racist than to be racist. Yeah. yeah and like, it's, it's harder to call people out on being racist because yeah. Yeah, especially when racist people say that they're entitled to, like, their own beliefs. Right. You're entitled to your own beliefs until it hurts someone else. Yeah. Okay, so this next one I got from an article by New America, and it was from a survey done in 2018 by the SPLC, which I don't know what that stands for, but if you want to know, you can look it up. Um, It says only 8% of high school seniors were able to identify slavery as the central cause of the Civil War, and 58% of teachers found their textbooks inadequate when addressing slavery. Yeah, I think um, because people don't want to feel uncomfortable about our country being founded upon racism and racist ideologies, that we tend to shy away from those like sensitive and Um, uncomfortable conversations and that's something that we can't afford to do even now because over the summer we've seen how racism is still a huge plays a huge role in our country today and so when you don't teach the right things then people will continue with their unhealthy biases um yeah Mm -hmm. I think like it's also one of those things where I feel like as Americans we are so patriotic that we don't want to admit when we've like made faults in our history like and this is somewhat off topic but in terms of world world war ii we never really learn about Japanese camps you know and I I just read a book about it it's really cool it's called the Buddha in the attic and I mean it's not solely about that but at the end they do get into that and I'm like never really learned this like what is it it's really annoying to me yeah and then another thing that american school systems do is we say oh it's not a problem because all of that happened so long ago when that's when in reality that's nowhere near true like 
something I just found out was colored pictures were made in like the 1900s, like 1907, I think. And in our history books, we see those segregation pictures and the pictures of police spraying like hose water, like the pressured hose water on black people and setting off the dogs on them. We see those in black and white so that um, we think of it, oh, that happened so long ago. But not even 50 years ago was when we started to integrate schools. And Ruby Bridges isn't even dead yet. Like it's not it's it's my grandma. Like well, I was shocked when I found that out. <laughs> it's like you've been teaching me that this was like forever ago. And now, oh my God. When I saw those colored pictures of MLK, I was like, what is this? You know? I was watching um, Hidden Figures the other night because it's on Disney Plus. But like the whole time, I was like, these white men are like grandparents now. And like, you know, like unconsciously or consciously teaching their kids who are teaching their kids who are our ages, you know? Like, yeah all of this and by like teaching us that it was so long ago you're kind of telling us that it's not a problem anymore when i mean it's just as much of a problem just because it's not segregation or slavery it doesn't mean that we don't live in like a racist culture because we do yeah that's one of the bigger things i think people don't really acknowledge racism unless it's something obvious like that which is kind of why i'm making this because I mean, people need to understand that it's integrated into our society in tons of ways you're probably not even thinking of. And it's a really big issue. Okay. So next quote is also from New America and it it's more of like a um like a situation that happened that I've heard about, but it said that there were counselors at this overnight camp for experimental learning, which I don't I mean, I think that's like learning by doing, but they take it a little too far. So they say that they made a girl who was black stay in like uncomfortable positions to recreate like slavery and imagine what it felt like to be enslaved. And like her other classmates were crying and she was trying to like not do that anymore. And they were like, no, you have to keep doing that because that's what enslaves it. And I'm like, that's extremely traumatic. That's not okay at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like some people don't understand that we're so close to those times. Like, of course, slavery was a while ago, but even still, it wasn't hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And because we're so close to it, like some Black people, I, I think I do a little bit, identify with slavery and in a sense of, oh, I'm still being put down and I'm still... Um, like I'm still being put down by the society we live in and so for her to further instigate that image in our brains is horrible. Yeah. For adults to think it's okay enough to do it as like an exercise you know like as a planned agenda or like you know whatever like syllabus whatever mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It's honestly just ridiculous. I mean, I don't know why they would feel the need to do that. I don't know why that even like come across your mind to do, but yeah. The next one is from the Washington Post and it's from a teacher in Charlottesville, Virginia named Zoe Padrone. 
says we have to teach them true history. We can't keep teaching them a narrative for a world that does not exist. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Like, I was taught that Rosa Parks was this old lady who was too tired to get up from the bus. But in reality, like, she wasn't even, like, that was a planned um, boycott that was, um, it was planned and she was fully prepared for all of the um, consequences of her actions. Uh, in fact, the first person to sit on the bus was a 15-year-old dark-skinned black girl and she was pregnant and that's why she didn't get up. And she, uh, her name was Colleen Colvin, I think. And she was the first person to do this, but she was not the face of the boycott that everyone wanted. And so that's why Rosa Parks and many others did that. But because like, because it's taught like that, I feel like it. she was taught as an accidental activist. Like people were like, oh, she didn't mean to start this movement. So yeah. Yeah. And then like teaching it like that makes it feel like it wasn't okay to start, you know what I mean? But she definitely was okay. It was much needed. And again, you know, she didn't start it like you just said. That's it's things like that. Like I didn't know that, you know, because we haven't been taught that. Yeah. I feel like textbooks leave out so much. Mm -hmm. Like in Texas history, I remember um there'd be like a tiny like little subsect of the text of each chapter saying like women and like non white people in Texas history during this time. But I remember like I would just skip it because it wasn't going to be on the test, you know, and like that's just not okay because it should be on the test, it should be its own chapter that's just as important as the Alamo or whatever, you know. And when and you what, like, oh, you go. Oh, um, I was, it surprised me that the history of Juneteenth wasn't in any Texas history because that's a huge part of Texas history. And I didn't even think it was a big deal till like four or five years ago when my dad did like a Juneteenth parade with his fraternity. But like I asked around with my friends from different states and even they celebrate Juneteenth and they're not from Texas, so. I didn't know what Juneteenth actually was until this year, which I know is really bad. I knew like I had heard of it and I knew that it had to do with black history I had no idea what it was and my mom had to like tell me because my mom learned it in school and she went to school in New Orleans and I'm going to school in Houston in Texas and they're not teaching us it which is just so great. Or like and now we're from Galveston and yeah. we don't even know. <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous and I feel like when you just only teach us white history basically it definitely feeds into white supremacy is telling us that your history is the only one that matters, so you're better, you know? And it kind of erases Black people from history. Like, you see little to no Black history, and then because of redlining, white people are around white people, so there's little to no Black people around you, and it makes you feel like you're the only one that exists. Yeah. And I read this book 
called The Warmth of Other Suns. Um, it's by Isabel Wilkerson, who is a really good author. And it's about the Great Migration, which I don't know if y'all know what that is, because again, we weren't taught it, but it um, is when the Jim Crow laws and everything were becoming too much and Black people started to move out of the South and into the rest of the country and they started to find more opportunity. I mean, yes, the North and the West was still racist technically, but they weren't as obviously racist and like Black people could get jobs out. And also I just didn't know that before. I didn't know anything in this book and I thought, this is a huge part of history and we just don't know it. I feel like a lot of what I know about um, Black history isn't from school at all. It's from this book series I would read when I was like eight called Dear America. And like they were from all these different times and, and from all these different people's perspectives. But without that book series, like I probably wouldn't know anything about Black history just because it's not taught at all. Mm -hmm. So this is from Time and it's by Charles King who is a professor at Georgetown and it says that under the Texas state standards for human geography students are expected to be able to define race and ethnicity and differentiate among the distinguishing characters of minority groups. Which if that's not racist I don't know what it is. And it makes me feel so uncomfortable that that's integrated into our school system. I mean, that's literal, like, blatant racism. Like, it's probably had to pass through councils and, like, meetings. Yeah. And people, like, agreed with it. And uh, that makes me so angry. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, it plays in with the fact that aren't there aren't enough black people in higher roles in society to say hey that's not okay yeah okay there, or, yeah, there's no one to vouch for themselves or even i know i do this sometimes and i need to stop but like i'll see something racist or something racist happens to me and i'll just let it happen like for most of the year this girl, she's amazing and I love her, but she would like pet me and she'd be like, hey, and like that would be her introduction to me. And like, I hated it, but I didn't want to, I didn't want her to think of me as the bad black person because that also happens a lot where as the one or two black people that someone sees, they think of them as a different kind of black person than the majority. And so I didn't want, her view to be like poisoned or something by me saying, hey, don't do that, that I just let it happen. And thankfully, with all of this social justice that's happening now, um, she like read somewhere that that wasn't okay and she apologized, but yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I had never even, I've been reading a lot about just, you know, everything, racism that people don't know is racist, you know what I mean? Microaggressions? Uh, say that again? Microaggressions? Yes, yes, okay, yeah, I mean, just things like, you know, wanting to touch a Black girl's hair because it's different, like, that's sort of 
disgusting. And um, yeah, that's a huge microaggression. And the whole like painting them as the troublemakers in the classroom, you know. And it makes me really mad to know that I have like classmates who are black that feel like uncomfortable at school when I feel so comfortable at school. You know what I mean? I want to spend like 15 to 30 minutes talking about what we can do and I'm going to start off with saying my idea which is that I mean it's pretty simple if you like see something say something and if we see something like a teacher being you know inappropriately racist or like a student or anything like that we should say something to administration. And if they don't listen to us, like, you know, there's higher places we can get. Yeah, I think that's something that we can do for sure. Um, I think we can like start a conversation about how racism isn't directly, um, like we shouldn't direct black, lifting up black people with demeaning white people. Like, I feel like it's something that needs to, like, we need to work together. Sorry, this is, like, confusing, but I feel like we should work to make sure that we can both uplift Black people and say, hey, this needs to be done without it coming across as it, like, as meaning, oh, we need less white people. Because there was a a new rule, and I think one of the big award shows, I forget which one, but let's say it's Emmys, just, just, yeah. And it said to qualify for Emmys now, you have to have at least um, like a, a 30% a thirty percentage of the cast and the staff of the movie to be POC, mm-hmm. so that we don't have those movies that it's just white people and we can increase um, black representation and POC representation in media. And so the only representation we do see are those stereotypes um, and those um, specific roles for black people. And there was so much backlash, like there was, oh, they're just trying to uh, stop white people from being in movies and stuff like that. And many times when people see like people trying to encourage black people, it comes across as saying, oh, we don't need as many white people when we're just trying to say, we need more black people, you know? Mm -hmm. I'll say 30% is not that much, you know? Like if you can have 100% white people, you can have 70% white people, you know? Like, Mm And it's just how for like, since literally the beginning of America, white people have seen like themselves as superior race, you know what I mean? And it's like now people are saying they want equality and for some reason, because they've been told that they're better than the rest, white people are seeing equality as like an attack on themselves which it's just not, and I don't know how to relay that information to people. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that is, like, my biggest pet peeve is when people come at the Black Lives Matter slogan, and they're like, well, 
white lives matter too and all lives matter it's like yeah all lives do matter great but black lives matter black lives aren't being treated like they matter so all lives don't really matter yet and we need to get it there yeah and i feel like a lot of people like relate black lives matter with liberals and all lives matter with conservatives and i feel like there is some truth in that but that also needs to like stop happening because if we keep like saying black lives matter as something political then i don't think it'll ever come across to the majority of america because as soon as something something becomes political, people want to shy away from it. And the majority of things that people categorize as political aren't political. Like gay rights, black rights, trans rights, all those, that's not political. That's validating a human being as a human being. And it shouldn't be categorized as liberal or conservative. It should be categorized as a social justice problem. Yeah, I mean, we should all really be working together to make sure that everyone feels equal. Like, America is supposed to be this great country of, like, diversity and, like, equality and freedom, right? And we're supposed to have everyone feel like that. It doesn't work if just white people feel like that. And I don't really understand the argument that people make when someone says, oh, we need equality, and someone's like, no. No, we don't like why would you want to say that it just it's not like you're losing anything I mean you're kind of gaining something with equality you're gaining like peace and a better understanding of people you know what I mean right yeah I think part of um white supremacy in America comes from this idea that like America's the best like I don't know from you know, you kind of always thought that when you were little, and you may still do, but um, then, like, you look at the list of presidents, right, and they're all white until we were three, you know, and so you, that kind of fosters the sense, like, the white people made America, which is the best country, so, you know, mm -hmm. therefore, white people are the best, and sometimes it's unconscious, but sometimes it's really blatant yeah. and the misconception that american means straight white cis male mm -hmm. and that's definitely not the reality like i was arguing with some guy about you know black lives matter and he was like we'll just go back to africa and he and he didn't like understand that black people have been away from africa so long that's not a part of our identity. Like I can't identify with like one part of America, let alone a country, I mean, one part of Africa, let alone a country in Africa to go back to anything. One of the biggest issues is that people will see someone who's not white and, obvious, and immediately like detach them from being American. Right. Like no, we're all American. I mean, we're all immigrants if we go back far enough and so why unless you're a native american yeah right right you're correct <laughs> so i mean i don't understand the whole not wanting to just accept people like to me it just makes no sense and i don't understand people who just can't live with acceptance and equality because i don't know why you wouldn't want to but right. 
there's going to be difficult people out there, which is why they should feel uncomfortable being racist. Yeah. I think we're getting towards that. Like, it's a lot better than it was when our grandparents were alive, right? Like, more and more, the people who feel comfortable being racist is shrinking. Not enough. Right. But it's small progress. Yeah. Like, it's it's definitely becoming more of a thing, I guess. Like, it's it's becoming less okay to be racist. Like, people now, I think think like people online saying racist things are like getting attacked for the most part I think um and like losing college scholarships and things and that is I mean that's kind of hopeful which is weird but (laughs) it is I mean it's giving off a message that like that's not gonna be okay anymore and I think that's good for our country and I hope that it continues that way, you know. I think it will. I think once something starts that's been this big, especially with social media now, mm-hmm. I don't think you can really go back, mm-hmm. you know. Unless it's assimilation and they just hit the reset button. But. <laughs> yeah. And when this all first started, I think when it really, like, blew up, right, with George Floyd dying... I was, I mean, obviously there were protests and everyone was getting angry and saying like enough is enough. And I thought like, you know, I wanted to go out and fight. I went to a protest, um, but I thought it was gonna be like years ago when someone died. I hate not knowing the name, but I don't. When I was younger, a black man was killed by a police officer. He was choked. I don't remember his name, but I remember it sparked tons of protests like this is right now. But those only lasted like a few months. But I, the thing that gives me hope now is I think this is not going away for a while, forever, until it's better. Because we have social media and because people are like not locking down from it. I mean, I hope that we don't give up again yeah i feel like physical protests are obviously the most demanding the most like attention grabbing but i think social media does help because it's not like when like during the civil rights era when people would go to a sit-in but then they would have to go home and it would just stop like now people go to a protest and they can come home and post about it, mm-hmm. keep reposting stuff and yeah. Yeah, I feel like like whenever I post something on Instagram that has to do with equality, like I'm posting it to remind people, like to keep it in their heads, you know what I mean? And I think that's a huge thing that you can do like all the time. You know, you can't go out and protest all the time you know you've got things in your life that is something that you can do just to remind people that follow you be like hey this is still here like we still have this issue we still need to keep fighting for it yeah okay thank you all for listening and a special thank you to Sophia Shabay and Don Earls for sharing their thoughts I hope you all enjoyed this and I'll see y'all next time